Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 6.07. We have exactly four lines open. If you want to call and chime in on our topic or bring something up new, you might uh, you might well do that. one 367 5329 Have a whole hour to engage you. one 367 5329 The state moves to stop male athletes from competing as girls. States move to stop male athletes from competing as girls. Now, what's, uh, what's alarming about that statement? For anyone that actually believes in language meaning something, what's alarming, not in a bad way, but in a positive way, is that apparently there has been events taking place for a while now where male athletes have been competing with girls pretending to be girls where uh, gender identity confusion and gender identity uh, it matters have uh, resulted in uh, a person who is actually biologically and physically male asserting the right to identify as female, not because they are actually a female, but because they are a male who actually thinks they are a female. And so to even hear that there is a pushback against it is really healthy. And this is what I was saying a little bit earlier to Brother B, that uh, what happens with evil, when evil, uh, it's like a pendulum. It swings and it impacts people, influences people, moves people, ungrounded people, unsettled people, irrational people get moved by evil. And they actually change their colors like a chameleon because evil seems to be taking over. But grounded people, righteous people, rooted people, people of principle understand that these things often come to pass. And that when you are actually solid in what you know, solid in what you know, you don't have to be moved by every wind of doctrine and tossed to and fro by every new fad that rises up with some kind of momentum that appears to be uh, ready to take over the world. So you guys know every since back uh, some 10 years ago, almost now, yeah, 11 years ago, 2008, with the same sex marriage, uh, uh, you know, debacle. Um, that we have been dealing with the issue of categories. And what I want to state is a teaching moment now that is critically important for parents and adults of, of, of all rational, reasonable, logical, especially biblical thinking uh, individuals, that whenever you use the pronoun or pronouns, he, she, her, them, they, he, him, whenever you are using pronouns like that, he, she, her, him, they, them, and even the pronoun it, what you are doing 
is defining or identifying a thing ontologically. What do you mean by ontological, Pastor? I mean by its nature. You just have to learn some big words. Dismiss what Misty is saying. You just have to learn some big words. Ontos is a term that we use in biology. It's a term that we use in physics. It's a term that we use in logic. It's a term that we use theologically. It's a biblical term, and it means that which is true indeed. When Jesus says, if you are my disciples, you will continue in the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You are my disciples indeed, ontologically. By nature, you are my disciple. You're not just a facade of my disciple. You're not just a facsimile of my disciple. You're not just synthetically my disciple. You are authentically my disciple. And that's what the word ontos means. Ontology is a category of study that determines a thing for what it is by nature. So if you say, uh, Pastor Jesse, his name is Jesse Giston. When you use the pronoun his, you are speaking to who I am ontologically. And if I were legitimately a female biologically, to use the pronoun his would be a violation of my ontological identity. For a person to take a pronoun that is designed to bring clarity to our nature across the spectrum of things made and to confound them out of the whim of their own desire to just be whatever they want to is to foster absolute confusion that's going to lead to chaos on a level of language. Everybody knows that if you see a person talking to a car that that individual has a problem, that they are taking a particular category of creation, whether it's man or God's, which ontologically is described as an it. A car is an it. It is not a she. It is not a he. In spite of how people will euphemistically employ gender terms to their toys, whether it's a boat or a car, in some cases a house or what have you, that particular pronoun is a faulty assertion ontologically that a rational people would never person would never accept the idea that a car is gendered. That a car entered into copulation by two other cars and there was a divine designation of gender assigned to it so that that car became a she. Because if you use the female gender pronoun she or her to a car, you've got to use it also to other cars as a he. And now you've got to produce a mama and a daddy. Logic universally would argue that that's irrational, absurd, euphemistic, and a ploy of terminology that at some point would destroy all basis of being able to communicate what is real. I know you guys are hearing what I'm saying. So the challenge that parents are having today around the he, she, it categories of pronouns are really important because they are ontological in nature. Now, listen to what the article says, and I'll take your phone calls. I got three lines open, one 367 5329 Karen, you hold on. 
The story lawmakers in five states have drafted measures aimed at preventing high school age athletes from competing in sports categories different from their biological sex. The background lawmakers in Georgia, Missouri, New Hampshire, Tennessee and Washington have introduced a pre-filed legislation aimed at preventing athletes from competing in categories different than their biological sex, according to The Wall Street Journal. Currently, in about a third of states, students who identify as transgender can freely compete on teams of the opposite sex, while some schools require completing a period of testosterone suppression treatment or gender reassignment surgery. Other schools have no requirement other than a profession of preferred identity. In other words, they, they don't mind destroying the actual ontological meaning of the pronoun. In other words, they don't mind allowing you to actually exhibit a lie, a falsehood. The result is that female students are often put at an unfair disadvantage by being forced to compete in women's events against biological male students. The Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights has even opened an investigation into whether female high school athletes were discriminated against when the state of Connecticut allowed males who identified as females to compete with them. The three high school girls pursuing the complaint missed qualifying for the 55-meter dash in New England's regional. Two biological boys who identified as female were allowed Allowed to compete in Connecticut's girls indoor track championship and won first and second place in the event. See the problem? So in this world of what we want to call a social justice uh, agenda that buys into intersectionality uh, conversation and dialogue, I shared this with you over six months ago. The intersectionality argument is nothing but a hodgepodge of conflicts because at the foundational level, they are denying reality. You have to at some point enter into conflict with all of these categories. At some point, these categories are going to bump into each other and are not going to work on a practical level. So here you have the transgender community trying to vie for a substantial acknowledgement of existence on the same level as real women and real men ontologically. When there is no way that we can affirm the transgender community as ontologically male or female. Now, the the gay and the lesbian are not asserting that they are ontologically opposite of what they are. They just simply happen to love or desire uh, filios, their own uh, gender. Now, we get that. We understand that. That's a battle of categories around the nature and uh, boundaries and limitations of love, particularly love that would rise to the level of covenant. But in the area of transgender, the very term itself has such levels of ambiguity. Transgender. What do you mean transgender? Transgender is a euphemism that does not have any ontological weight either. Why? There is no such thing as a transgender. Either you are male or female created he them in the image of God created he him male and female. These are ontological categories. These are categories of nature. They are real. They are true. Like a horse is either male or female because of copulation and uh, conjugation and, and a cat and a dog and human beings and other mammals or ontologically these things by fact, biology. 
Not just even empirically, that is to say, we can look upon them and determine their gender. No, but we can know their gender by what they are. And if they act consistently with who they are, then we can say they are walking in the truth. This is what I taught our church several months ago as well, that when Christ called us to walk in the truth, he meant for us to act and correspond according to the design with which he made us. If you are a truth person, then you are a person who submits to the word of God as the truth to the God of the word as the God of truth. And you walk in the reality of who you are. You don't take on a category that defies your ontological being. You don't call yourself a, uh, a, a, a lesbian Christian. You don't call yourself a bisexual Christian. You don't call yourself a transgendered Christian. You're now entering into conflicts of categories because a Christian actually is the person that is being transformed into the image of God in the restorative work of how God designed us in the beginning. So let's say you are a believer, but you have gay propensities. Well, if you're a believer, there's a power working in you to restore you back to the fundamental drives and aspirations that are consistent with your nature. That's absolutely true. You might struggle with a bent that's still there because of your fallen nature and your, your carnal man. But your new nature is actually making you erect, standing you up connecting you with God and giving you clarity on who you are factually and ontologically in Christ, not how you feel to affirm your culture. These are the battles that you and I are fighting. And if we give way to a mythical redefining of pronouns, it's all over with two lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. I got to take a break. When I come back, I'll deal with Karen first. And then looks like Richard, I got two lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. But I've told people this frequently. When evil breaks out in a particular sphere or theater of uh, expression, uh, just, just and God has determined to let it happen for a lengthy period of time, don't worry about it. At a certain point, people get tired of it because we we intuitively, we intrinsically know what's right. God said he wrote it on our minds and hearts. And the only people who don't are reprobates. And they're not, fortunately, there are not that many reprobates working in the world, running the world, engaging in the world, but it's growing. And as a body of Christ, we have been called to collaborate and work against reprobation. Out of love for humanity, who wants to walk in the insanity of loving death, as Proverbs 8, Proverbs 8 puts it, You and I are to love them up out of that insanity by sharing the truth with them, communicating the truth with them uh, and doing it charitably, but firmly so that they know that they are embarking upon chaos and insanity and therefore the destruction of their soul. When we are playing hard and fast with words and terms that are designed to correspond with reality. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time 630 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One line open. one 367 one Let's go to the phone lines. Line number one and Karen in Placerville. Karen, what is your question, comment, or observation? Well, I have a rant and um, also from... from Pastor Jesse, I'm, I've been listening to you for, I was a San Franciscan living there for 30 years, and I listen to you every day on KFAX, and I grew to really appreciate your ministry, and now I'm living um, 
up in Placerville. I know where it is. California. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. Near yeah. Tahoe. You're it's welcome awesome. to visit us anytime. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a glorious, a glorious place, and I'm very thankful. Good, but good. Hey, why'd you guys say, leave I, the bear? I, why'd you leave the bear? Well, my husband was a native. He owned a home, mm-hmm. and he could. we couldn't afford to keep it. We couldn't afford to keep it Got anymore. It. We were right there in San Francisco. It was his boyhood home, and we just... How long have you been in Placerville? Uh, about three years. Okay, so you're at you're I'm situated. I'm kind of in exile. I'm I'm trying to figure out my ministry, but you're helping me. Oh. Every day you're helping me. Oh. Um, there's a lot of been a lot of confusion in my life, Pastor Jesse. Mm-hmm. I've been um, involved in. Uh, I, I consider myself like a reformed charismatic. Got it. I'm getting more and more out of the charismatic end of it, and that's where you're really helping me. Thank you. Okay. I've been listening, especially to your teaching on the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that really did shine some light, and mm-hmm. I've been really challenged and, and encouraged, and I've grown a lot, so I'm very thankful. Good, good. And I wanted to, yeah, and I wanted to say to you, um, I know you don't listen to the praise of men, and I know you live for that well done, good and faithful servant, so... But you're doing, you keep using the big words, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Keep using them, because words have consequences, don't they? Yep. Words shape our thinking. Words are, I mean, it, it, anyone who has studied even the least bit of linguistics knows that. Yep. And Very much so. our culture is dumbing down because we're not reading the Bible, which uses big words. True, true. And magnificent words and and. We're not reading them like you're talking about with that young man who was wanting to know about devotion. Yeah, you know. Yep. And he's well, sharp. I, I have eight children. I have eight children too. So um, welcome to the club. Know. So so you yeah. know, you've been. <laughs> I so you know. We're kindred spirits in many ways. Yes, I do. I yeah. do know. Yeah, you do know. I have just one left. Uh-huh. I have just one left. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I know. But I know. she's eighteen. How old is yours? She's. Nearly 18. Okay, see, so yeah, we're right there. Getting ready to graduate. Yeah. Uh-huh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I, so I understand these things, and I know the pain, and I know the anguish of sending them off. And, yeah, yeah, But yeah. I've, done, I've done exactly what you did. I read the Bible to them every day. I homeschooled them. Yep. I kept scripture memory verse yep. songs playing mm-hmm. every day continuously on autoplay. You know, yep. just, you know, the Hosanna Integrity tapes, they're on YouTube, by the way. Sure. <laughs> they're wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful music, too. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say that that shaped their thinking. I know. I now, know. Not all of them are saved. Nope, I, I have mine half either. of them there. That's right. Not, not mine me. either. Yep. And, I'm, and, I'm, and this is where you're teaching on prayer and everything. It's helping me so much to not lose heart. You know, yep, to keep, yep. keep, keep at it. Yep. Yes. Keep at it. And, and to pray scripture and to believe his promises. And, yep. But so I wanted to say that, that anyway, also just, just, so that's a big thank you for your ministry in my mm-hmm. life. And I know that Misty said that we'd all be calling and saying, oh, thank you. Well, no, no. It's more well, than Misty, is it's more. Sister. Misty is our sister. Misty is our sister. And Misty's been around for a long time. And, yeah, I, I, know. I, and I know her and yeah, I know where she's, I know where she's coming from. 
I know where she's going. I'm also listening on Lifeline, so okay. I've, I've heard this yeah, before. See, exactly. I've never called, but yeah. I just wanted to encourage you. And also because I'm very interested in what you're talking to about trans and... All this. And, and the all this. This is very interesting to me because I have very woke children. I mean, some, yep. some of them are in the church. You know, yep. They're reformed, but now they're getting woke. Exactly. And I'm, I'm troubled. I'm exactly. Troubled. Exactly. And, and, and this and is I'm why... I'm challenged, and I don't know how to address this, and I'm angry in, in many ways because yep. I feel like they're being robbed. Yep. This is why I do what I do. This is why I do yes. what I do because I do understand uh, that, and you're aware of it if you, you've been around like we have, that we are dumbing down yeah. as a society. We have yeah. dumbed down as a church because our churches have collapsed for so many years into entertainment and they have, they have yeah. moved into a compromise mode. We have not been on the front line as local churches in a more um, orthodox and therefore apologetic mode, defending the gospel, defending the integrity of words. And so what has happened is we have uh, lost a lot of ground in terms of being able to contend with the other disciplines that are out there, whether it's science or whether it's politics, whether it's business or whether it's entertainment. Um, and here's the other thing too, Karen, if our children are not pushed and I push my children and I push the church, I pastor, that's what you are appreciating. I force you to think, yes, I, I, <clears throat> I stretch I'm, I'm a, you. I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Right. I listen and, to you. I, I, you know, I'm, and here's the I, reason I do it, and I've said church. it publicly. I am a, a, le- a listener like you. I, you know, just exactly like you describe. I agree with you 100%. Right, and here's the reason why I do it. Because mm-hmm. if, if our people leave out of the four walls of the church going goo-goo-ga-ga, um, and then they run across a peer on a job or at school who actually is very insightful and learned about a lot of the misinformation data that is propagandized into their life. And our kids don't know the terminology and they don't know how to understand words and they don't know how to uh, define words. If our kids are not equipped to engage them, there will be no way to win those people to Christ because winning people to Christ starts with words. It starts with words. The church went into the dark ages when we abandoned uh, sound reasoning, sound logical principles, and a sound biblical expository approach with dealing with the world. We collapsed into mysticism under Catholicism and Greek Orthodoxy, and we didn't have to actually give a cogent, reasonable answer. And then when we moved into the Enlightenment era, where we became much more scientifically uh, uh, driven as a society, and the church was not willing to actually follow the path of understanding that science is a legitimate discipline so long as it's rooted in a sound understanding of who God is and how God made the world, we end up losing a lot of ground. We're trying to recover ground now, and that's what the whole Protestant movement was up until recently, where we said, you know what? The church can't be sitting on the sidelines. We'd be like a bunch of our Native American brethren kind of just huddled in, in, in small communities communities irrelevant to the very culture in which people have come to us and the church can't do that and so we got to grow up and so we got to use our phones or our dictionaries or our thesauruses or our atlases or whatever and learn how to actually study because the material is free it's right there we just need a hunger for god's word yes and i do and and you're this is what i this is how i measure a teacher uh, a pastor. Mm-hmm. If after I'm listening to him and there's something in me that goes to Jesus and says, I want more of you. 
Right. But I know I've listened to someone who's drunk deep and right. knows, you know, it, it isn't just a head thing. It's I agree. Praying and, and, and that's when I, when I, when I come away from there, I just say, I want more. That's right. And, I, and, I, and that's why I listen to you, Pastor, because yep. that's how you teach yep. and that's what you do. And yep. I know it's not just your head that's. <laughs> Oh, it's not. I, I don't mind. Misty's my Misty is a little older than me, and so she's like a big sister that kind of one that wants to keep me in line. But most people get me, and and you do. A lot of people I get do. it. They understand that my job is to stretch you. I, that's my gift. I'm yeah. stretching you. I'm not going to not stretch you. If you get offended, I'm sorry, but I'm going to give you something to think about when you leave. I want to say something. I'm disappointed if I'm not stretched by you. See? <laughs> you know that? And, and, and that will happen same, on occasion. Same? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that. That will happen You're, on occasion. It's life, right? I, that's right. I'm, I'm human. I'm, it's life. That's we have right. our... I've, I've lived, I'm 60 years old. See? Right there. So I know these things. See? Mm-hmm. See, and, and, and in a minute for me, I'll quite frankly, Karen, in a minute for me, I'm like, see, the other person that I really love ministry-wise that just becomes such a joy for me to think about if God would allow me to be healthy enough and reach his age is John MacArthur, um, because yeah. he's such a clear-thinking man. What I like about him is he's such a clear-thinking man at his age, and he's still very much poignantly committed to sound biblical exposition, and, yeah. and I I see a lot of older men, quite frankly, giving up on that. And I'm asking the Lord to give me grace to be committed to this kind of model because I already know, and I'm not saying that out of an presumption, I know the young people have benefited from uh, my example. I just know. I, I know it from my kids. I know it from a lot of kids. I know they they are absolutely benefited when they go into a community of believers and hear the pastor teacher talk about things that are relevant to where they are right now. And then when they go to college, they go, oh, I already know those words. I learned those words in church. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yes. My son sat under John MacArthur's teaching. He went um, to UCLA and he went, he was there at uh, Grace Yep. on campus, and yep. he met John McCarthy and had a picture taken and everything. But he's the one, if you would, that's one that I earnestly am praying for because he is reformed, but he's right. getting woke, Jesse. He's getting yep. woke. He's yep. really like woke church. Yep. It's breaking my heart. Right, but now here's what I want you to think. Here's what I want you to, here's what I want to think. I want you to think about with that. Here's what I want you to think about for me, okay? This is what uh-huh. I want you to think about. Um, so, um, yeah, a lot of the young people are going to actually slip into these new trends because these new trends actually become revelations of, of historical pathways that they have never, ever fully ventured down. And arguments come from these new trends that our young people don't necessarily know how to answer or address. And because I would admit that. Our kids' generation, and I'm saying this with qualifiers, Karen, our kids' generation, in my opinion, particularly our cross-ethnic variety, and I love my cross-ethnic variety, Uh, you know, my my kids are are cross-ethnic. I love it because that's just the way the gospel has meant it to be. But we have to actually deal with historical uh, errors and historical mistakes. And the big one is our black-white paradigm 
Uh, it's not that that's the only one. We still got to deal with our Asian brothers, got to deal with our Native American brothers, got to deal with our Latino brothers. But I'm talking to just kind of the black, white thing. Uh, what, what happens is in our present postmodern culture with liberals dominating everything, uh, largely in terms of the media and the press, these young people have to now deal with a bunch of angry black people who want to assert uh, uh, arguments that really do need to be challenged. But because our Caucasian brothers brethren and particularly the younger ones don't have enough background don't have enough history to be able to stand solidly on biblical truth as they engage them they're intimidated so with your son how old is he yeah he's gonna turn 25 okay all right he's ripe he's ripe for that battle i don't particularly i don't particularly care it's not a negative thing that he is kind of going through the process of waking up. Like you and I have admitted, we've been through the charismaniac phase. We've been through a lot of legalism, been through a lot of ritualism. All of that was needed for learning. We are praying that your son grows up out of that and actually recovers his footing in a sound, yeah. reformed, yeah. Uh, expository mode of, of trusting scripture. And where we have to admit our sins in the past we just do uh, a bunch of my a bunch of my uh upline uh, dead old white guy theologians had slaves i got all that i, I got I, I totally got all that but i'm not throwing a baby out with the bathwater. uh theological truth is a mystery that god would allow it to flow through the uh, veins and out of the mind and the mouth of sinners like you and I are. The problem with the woke movement today, as I've stated so many times, is the folks on the woke side don't have a sufficient answer to the transgressions of our forefathers other than the very gospel that we are all saying that we need. The blood atoning work of Jesus Christ is the resolve. No other resolve is to be had. And your son is going to have to come to that conclusion that the answer to that historic problem that's rising up again is the answer that God gave us in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And if you want me to talk with him, just email me. I'd be glad to chat with him. Or I would get one of my other younger men, and I have a plethora of them, who would be be glad to engage him as well because we do have a multi- ethnic church in our multi-ethnic church has that whole spectrum of young people that are ready to actually give an answer to this problem listen i gotta take a break bless you sis when i come back i'll close with um with nelson on uh and and our other caller on the monday edition of lifeline one triple eight three six seven five three two nine if you want to join the conversation one triple eight three six seven five three two nine it's the number to join me don't close your ears don't close your eyes don't dumb down. Save with the psalmist. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time is 650 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line three and talk with Nelson in uh, Redwood City. Nelson, what's up, man? How you doing, sir? I'll try to be quick. Um, do you listen? You mentioned Michael Savage. Do you listen to him all the time? Or I haven't listened to Michael Savage in years. Okay, okay. I just um, made. It, hold on. I just quoted him. That's all I did. Let's quote him. <clears throat> that was just a question. Yeah. He, he, no, he, I, he I, said. I he like said. He said. Hold on. He said liberalism is a mental disorder. Yeah, and, and right wing neo Nazism is also, but. 
<laughs> Anyways. Um, and both could be but, true. Uh, both could be true, and it doesn't matter who said it, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, go on. Um, but because I know, I know he yeah. got ideas that I just absolutely he he had become funny to me after a while. After a while, he had become funny, and I said, "Okay, all right, time. that's enough." <laughs> he, yeah, me and a coworker he's always laughed, but the coworker liked him, and I, I liked what Michael Savage said about when he went through San Francisco, he saw all the different ethnic groups at the pro-life rally, he was really encouraged. I thought that, that that's a YouTube video. That's a real good one. But um, I guess um, I agree with everything you say said about, you know, especially about the left. You're good for me to listen to the left, but I do listen to some progressive people. Right. I, obviously, I don't agree with their view on um, homosexuality. I think it's a sin in their view on abortion i mean but that's not the only two issues in the world um as um evangelicals try to make and then they use abortion as a shield to justify it's some evil stuff i mean like i could uh, probably find 10 more i could probably find 10 more things that i disagree with progressives on but it's not that i would say that because I I disagree with the progressives on 12 things, including the two that you made mention of for me. And and I definitely want to hear your feedback on this. um, There is generally a framework by which these political parties are identified a platform. They have a number of things that they generally advocate, but like with all human beings per capita, you know, this, uh, you run across an individual per, a, a progressive, and uh, he may have a whole lot of areas in which you and him fundamentally agree. And so, w- when I make the statement about progressives or liberals or Democrats, etc., Nelson, I always keep in mind that I might sit down and have a a very good conversation at length with a progressive on matters that I would agree with him or her or them on uh, relative to how bad a job the liberals and the uh, conservatives have done in time past. I don't I don't consider progressives completely awash, but their foundational uh, premise is flawed in many ways because of their man centered view. So, yeah, what, what do you have to say? Yeah, well. I, I, I guess I like always. I want to balance it out. I, I agree. I agree with what you said. And I'm glad you you woke me up because you you because I do listen to the majority report. Sometimes I listen to the Young Turk. Right. I really like the majority report. Yeah. And um, but I, I listen to them when it comes to as far as economical things. Right. In the way. Right. Um, they, they're trying to make. I, I think the um, certain Republicans, conservatives, are trying to make. Um, American oligarchy like um, Russia. I, I do think, but I do want to say. Absolutely. Um, I, I, there's, there's no getting away with, uh, around it. Um, you, you did mention, I know you like John McCarthy and James White, but they, they're, they're attacking this. Um, I agree with Ken Jones and uh, Michael Horton a lot. Uh-huh. And, and they, they do say the woke movement, you know, is off, but also that, you know, the right that antisocial justice statement with people who are known neo-Confederates, people, someone who wrote a book, these are the original scientists, primary scientists, who wrote a book saying slavery was good for, for black people and white people. I'm talking about, I don't know if you want me to mention names, but the guy in Southern California, his remarks after Charlottesville, that Bible church anti-charismatic guy, I won't mention his name because everybody loves him, but that that type of um, you know, he's done some good things in the past. I'm not anti him, but he attacked 
the 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 Antifa and the people protesting the Nazis so bad after that, but he never mentioned anything about the Nazis who killed a woman, ran over nine people. Trump would not, and 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 he endorsed Trump, and after he said he wasn't going to, and some of that he regrets. You know, Mitch, 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 Mitch McConnell and and his four Republican senators are usually with him when. When Trump ran, he would not denounce David Duke and the KKK. And Mitch McConnell took him to task for that. Mark Rubio took him to task for that. Nikki Haley took him to task for that. And a lot of other Republicans. And And now, after Charlottesville, James Pinion, a black Republican, was crying because of Trump's Charlottesville remarks. And and uh, black Republican Senator Tim Scott had a meeting with Trump and and came out of the meeting saying he has some strange views about race. But everybody's going to act like Candace Owens speaks for all black Republicans. Now, now, now. She was laughing after Charlottesville. Now, Nelson. There was nothing funny about that woman being murdered by a neo-Nazi. So Nelson. In in 2018, there were more <laughs> white supremacists, nationalists who ran for public office as Republicans than the history of America. So what party is really extreme? Is AOC and those guys extreme because they want a more socialized thing, or or the Republican Party running a record number of neo Nazis like Paul Nealon and and Stort in Virginia who ran against um Clinton's vice president. Right. How many good Christians Nelson. voted for him? Nelson. Matt Gatz invited a neo-Nazi to Trump's State of the Union address. In the the Republican Jewish um, guys said, "Why are you inviting him?" He denied knowing him. He was seen to get with with him in California. This is a Holocaust denial guy. Matt Gatz was seen with that, a vast the vast majority of what you're saying. I'm very much aware of the vast majority. Um, you know, for myself. You know, I don't I don't I don't actually uh, I don't actually frequent these kind of discussions because they're fraught with all kinds of hypocrisy, duplicity and uh, and inconsistencies. That's why I don't get into politics. You you almost didn't even take a breath for the last three minutes uh, sharing what you did. Here's what I'm going to say about John. And I'm only saying it from the standpoint of 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 hoping that it's true, because I could tell you. Nelson, my own experience with being uh, being fundamentally betrayed by my Caucasian brethren, uh, you know, just as part of this whole struggle of uh, of Caucasians being able to fully uh, be honest and sincere with, with black people. And my, that might be the case on their part, too. But I know we have that that history behind us. Here's what I believe. I believe that John made a mistake. I believe that he made a significant mistake in uh, endorsing Trump and that he regrets it now because what was not not as openly and evidently manifested before Trump became president is so clearly and obviously evident today on so many levels. And so I want to encourage you to be careful not to use the momentum of all your evidence to just fundamentally disregard uh, John just because of that statement, because he hasn't come out and continue to do that over and over and over and over again. Neither has James White. So I want to encourage you in a balanced, objective approach to critiquing your brethren, even if in fact they are wrong at some of these areas. I can easily do it and still fully and thoroughly appreciate the gift that they have, particularly in the area of exegesis, exposition and preaching the gospel, which is imminently more important than politics in my opinion. But I do understand what you're saying. I hope to talk to you in the future as well uh, about these things. So they're going to continue to come up. I just want you to, I want to encourage you, Nelson, not to be so, uh, 
so inflamed and so impassioned that you can't benefit from uh, your Caucasian brethren, even if they have those those leanings and those those inclinations, because it's just going to be that way with, with many of them, because historically is that way. It's true with my black brethren. I have a hard time with a lot of my black brothers uh, knowing how to maintain a balance when it comes to looking over into uh, our Caucasian brothers camp. And I got to try to rein them in and tell them that they're not as clean and driven and pure as the wind driven snow either. That's you. That's me. We're all sinners. We all need the grace of God. We're all in restoration. It's just true. Hey, bless you guys. See you, uh, Lord willing, next week. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.